right now it is time for History Matters. We're taking a look back at this week in history with the man himself, Scott Washington, historian extraordinaire who is an encyclopedia of knowledge about all things history. Good morning. How are you? I think curiosity is one of the great things uh, that we have going for us, Aaron, and you certainly exemplify that as well, is to say not only what happened, but what's next and that is something that keeps us all going. I think it's part of our resiliency resources that we all need in life's toolbox. Well, you know, of course, Monday, uh, there was the loss of Carolina uh, uh, to uh, to the other team, <laughs> Kansas. Kansas, but, yes. But, you know, I, and it, we should say that if you get to be one of the top two teams in the country, that's pretty good yeah. uh, to reframe this. Top two teams, top four teams, top eight. I always I always think when we go to the NCAA tournament, because there's so much uncertainty and exactly. so many contingencies, anything can happen. Like, we talked about that final game. Like, if the if the floor doesn't shift a little bit, does Armando go down or does he stay up? Does he make the shot? Does he stay in the game? That's does right. Carolina win? Like just those little differences. So I always think if you make it to the Sweet 16, right. then you can call it a you're successful golden. season, yes. right? Even if you're a one seed and you're disappointed if you lose, it's still a successful season. So to make it to the final two is is just great, I think. Well, and you know, here's something that anybody here in Carolina can claim for that Monday, that date, April 4th, because on April 4th, 1983 is when Jim Valvano's uh, North Carolina State Wolfpack, they are the ones who win the NCAA uh, tournament in uh, Albuquerque. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that we can look back to. And the score was really low. It was only 54 to 52. So, you know, that was a hard-fought game. Yeah. They were not favored to be the winners uh, in that one. Uh, so that is a consolation prize, is to say, well, we've won a lot, and you can take your pick of great teams. Also, also appreciate how the the tournament as an event, as yes. like a public spectacle, has transformed yes. because they would never think to have it in Albuquerque today, right? right? Like it's the <laughs> well, Superdome, it's know. the Georgia Albuquerque Dome, it's might. these <laughs> Albuquerque might put in a bid, but yes. they ain't gonna get yeah, it. Right. Like we're having it in big, huge stadiums now. Yes, well, you know, and it's, it, it, I think if. if we have big stadiums for celebrating people in history, uh, then this is certainly a great week uh, to do that. Uh, and, uh, and I want to bring up a name that's probably not as familiar, except maybe the last name. Uh, his name uh, was born in 1858, April 5th, um, Washington Atlee Burpee. Um, and no relation, I don't believe, the Washington part. But anyways, the Burpee party neither. But this is a fellow who uh, began selling uh, <laughs> at a young age. All the CrossFitters are about to be real disappointed. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, he began selling things like livestock, uh, sheep and chicken and dogs for uh herding cattle, and then they started getting requests for, hey, do you have anything to help feed these things or us? And requests for seeds. So he starts in 1876, um, and now he's just pretty young. He's only in his 20s, um, a, a catalog company, a, a seed company, and it becomes in time the largest mail-order seed company in the world. And uh, this is at the time when the burgeoning U.S. Post Office is now reaching every corner of America. Uh, catalogs could be sent uh, to everywhere. This was the Internet of that age, just like you might go into Amazon. Well, you'd go and get a Burpee seed catalog. But he didn't stop there. He actually developed varieties 
that were hardier, uh, that we are the beneficiaries of today. Sweet corn that we go to and get, the, well, that was one of those things that was seen as, well, you just toss that to the cattle. Right. We actually had uh, varieties developed, and now that's a staple. Also, and I did not know this, iceberg lettuce is Interesting. Uh, comes out of his efforts to develop a heartier lettuce that could be used. It's really fascinating, the the the, the research and the science oh, over yes. the last couple of hundred years that has gone right. into taking foods that we regularly eat and making them not just more right. efficient to produce, like you can grow more with right. less effort in smaller space, but also to be bigger, to taste better. Yes. Uh, I think they've, they've done this with Brussels sprouts recently, didn't they? Were right? okay. like even, even in the last couple of decades, they've taken yes. Brussels sprouts and made them less bitter and more sweet. So people who used to grow up hating Brussels sprouts <laughs> now can turn around and eat them again. And, oh, they're a lot better. What happened? Did my taste change? Well, maybe, but maybe. so did the Brussels sprouts That's as well. Right. Also, we don't boil them in water anymore. We figured out <laughs> ways to cook them better. But the but the actual, the actual vegetable itself right. has changed, and that's all to do with genetic science and well, people and like that's, this. Well, that's where Burpee kept, uh, you know, not just selling seeds, but he developed uh, different farms that were experimental to see what could be the best hybrids, what would grow. In fact, um, after he died in 1915, his son takes over, who has a real interest in flowers and actually begins to develop varieties of flowers that we grow and see in gardens everywhere. And during World War II, when there are victory gardens, Actually, there are developments of cucumbers and tomatoes mm -hmm. that we are still using today, which is just remarkable. To, you know, we think about the origins of where did this come from? It was people like this who had a different vision and said, hey, maybe especially seeds are lightweight, portable, and could be sent, could make a difference. And they did in the, uh, the actual diet of Americans, which is kind of end around the world. Speaking with uh, Scott Washington, History Matters. We've got time for two more, I okay. think. Um, Booker T. Washington is also born on April 5th, uh, 1856, lives to 1915, same as uh, W. Atlee Burpee. Um, and he's it's born good their names didn't switch, otherwise they'd be <laughs> Washington, right. Washington, and Booker Burpee, which would not <laughs> well, be as good a name. That's right. There is a Washington theme through this. But yeah. um, uh, Booker, Washington, Booker T. Washington uh, actually is born into slavery, and then after the uh, Civil War and uh, he's emancipated, then what occurs is really interesting. Uh, he really be believes in the value of education and entrepreneurship, and that's what becomes the great themes. And of course, we have the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments that protect essential freedoms for African Americans who are freed from slavery. And that is what he thinks is necessary. And so he does not see how important the political aspect is um, but that becomes really important for him. Another contemporary of his, born around the same time, 1854, is George Eastman. They become good friends. This is the Eastman Kodak Company fella, and actually when uh, George Eastman has a, a school for African Americans who manage his large estate uh, in Halifax County, uh, he actually makes sure to hire teachers from Hampton and Tuskegee, both institutions that were founded by his very good friend, uh, Booker T. Washington. So awesome. an interesting connection there. And uh, and then we gotta we gotta start wrapping up. But George yes. Eastman is is in this week in history as well for uh, 
for something that someone else invented on April 6th? Oh, that would be uh, about celluloid. Yes. Which is so interesting. You know, when he first comes up with this idea of... I thought that was where you were going with that, and then you gave me this, like, what are you talking about? Like, well, it's I'm the celluloid thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, that celluloid was a, a real uh, game changer because when Eastman got into it, um, they were using glass plates. You know, Matthew Brady's glass plates that he did was remarkable because it was out in the field during the Civil War. But there were studios, and if you ever see those rigid portraits of people sitting there stiffly, that's because they had studios where people came and it was wet plate photography. So Eastman develops um, a process to, to coat glass plates, and he thought this would be a big game changer. No, commercial people aren't interested. So he takes it out into the field up in Michigan, um, and he, um, uh, people start falling around. He spills some silver halide, this, the story goes, on his clothing. He really gets disgusted with that, says there's got to be a different way, develops a, a dry process, and coats paper. Paper uh, rolls into small cameras, uh, the brownie cameras. People would take their pictures, send the whole thing in. They would develop the pictures on the coated paper and send the pictures back in a new roll of paper. Seemed like pretty good, except the paper tour. Celluloid was the big invention, and uh, that changed everything. But though it was originally intended for billiard balls. <laughs> somebody else said, hey, this is what we need that's sturdy enough. Right. And uh, the, I think the other thing that, that is oftentimes missed in that is uh, George Eastman thought of sprockets. You know, how do you coat this thing running through yep. uh, a place you protect from light? Then it's uh, Edison who looks and says, sprockets, huh, gee, if I, there's a number of pictures you could take, you could get the equivalent of moving pictures. And so modern motion pictures all owe their, <laughs> their origins to all of these interesting connections in people. And that's how history happens and why it matters. And you may be a part of that chain, too, if you're listening to this right now. And that is how history matters. Scott Washington, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron.